when saving lives is what you do, your standards are anything but standard. In fact, you set them higher than most to deliver results that patients can depend on. You refuse to compromise. We couldn't agree more. We are Edwards Life Sciences, and like you, we believe that good is never good enough. Rising to the challenge of today's TAVR patients isn't just a mission, it's a commitment. And because you set a higher standard, we set our sights on meeting you there. Welcome to the higher standard, your standard. Learn more at edwardstaver.com. Welcome to Parallax by Anka Kalra, a podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology and the best from the US Cardiology Review. Published every second Monday, Anka Kalra, MD, interventional cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, USA, speaks with legendary cardiologists, reviews late-breaking trials, and interviews authors of our latest and best US cardiology review articles. We call them hashtag audio articles. Parallax is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. So this podcast is your fix of reliable updates on all things cardiology by someone from a non-traditional background who is always looking at the industry from a new angle. Now, here's your host, Anka Kalra, MD. Welcome to another episode of Parallax. Um, you know, it's, it's a great pleasure to have uh, on the show um, you know, I would say my colleague, you know, she, you know, like myself, she's early career and, uh, uh, you know, seems to have, have done, you know, really well and, and is very happy with where she is. And, uh, you know, that's always, is great to hear uh, from a, from a colleague. Mm, I don't think we've, we've crossed paths, but, you know, we've sort of known each other on social media and, you know, through common mentors, you know, Dr. Kapadia being one of them. Um, so my guest today is, uh, is Dr. Sodi. Uh, Nishta Sodi is uh, an interventional cardiologist at University of Virginia. As part of her, um, you know, portfolio, she performs, um, you know, advanced structural heart interventions in addition to, you know, coronary interventions. Um, so without much further ado, Nishta, welcome on the show and thank you for for your time to do this. Thank you so much, Ankur. It's really, really my honor to be part of your show. I also wanted to say congratulations on all the amazing work that you are doing with a lot of your innovative pieces like the Bhagavad Gita and COVID. And of course, with this very unique podcast, it's, uh, you're very inspirational for all of us as we start our early career as well. So congratulations and kudos for all the hard work uh, that you've done for the field as well. Oh, no, thank you. I, you know, if, if, if what I write resonates with colleagues, you know, that's, that's like the, the best gift any author can ask for, quite frankly. Um, so, so Nishta, um, let's get started. So do, do you want to just uh, tell the audience or the listenership about your journey into where you are right now? Uh, let's, let's go back to some of the formative years, uh, you know, with, with you being in, uh, in high school, maybe middle school or high school, you know, when, when all of us are very impressionable and, and start forming patterns of what we want to do in our lives? Sure. So I grew up actually exposed um, to my entire family and really extended family in medicine. My dad is a cardiac surgeon. My mom's a cardiac anesthesiologist and my brother's in uh, orthopedics. But 
rather than just sort of simply, you know, and naturally following their footsteps, I really wanted to be sure about medicine before I chose it for myself. And so growing up uh, in middle school, high school, I was sort of, uh, you know, captain of the debate team, lead defense attorney for mock trial. So I sort of did a lot of non-scientific things. I pursued a business certificate in college, uh, studied abroad in Spain to finish a Spanish minor, and really sort of... um, uh, immerse myself in in non scientific things, and I think that that's very helpful and important, particularly as we try to be more humanistic doctors uh, and connect with our patients. Uh, and certainly, those some of those skills, such as the business education and Spanish language, are are certainly relevant skills that I use in my practice today and in expanding our valve program. But after sort of um, exploring all these other options, I ultimately I chose to do a seven-year combined uh, undergraduate and medical school program in Philadelphia. And so after three years uh, of undergrad, I, I started medical school um, at Drexel in, in Philadelphia. Uh, and it was really, I think, um, uh, between my first and second year of medical school, we sort of, you know, it's that last summer vacation or break, uh, if you will. And at that time, I I wanted to pursue clinical research uh, during this time and had always sort of been drawn to cardiac pathology and physiology. And that I sort of at that time came across the American Association of Thoracic Surgery Scholarship, which is a scholarship designed for medical students uh, as an opportunity to pursue cardiac research uh, under the mentorship of an AATS surgeon mentor. So, um, you know, I, I saw that I, I thought it would be a pretty cool opportunity. And, you know, I literally and simply just just went on to the University of Pennsylvania hospital website and I came across uh, Dr. Joe Bavaria, who is the vice chief uh, of the Division of Cardiac Surgery at Penn. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of cold blindly just emailed him uh, and, you know, just introduced myself, uh, you know, hi, I'm a first year medical student. I'm interested in applying um, for this AATS. Um, scholarship. And, uh, you know, I I sort of, I remember thinking when I did that, that, you know, either he's not going to respond or, you know, he'll say no or or something like that. But, um, you know, fortunately he responded and asked me uh, to come interview uh, with him. And so I interviewed and we put together a research proposal on thoracic endovascular stent grafting, uh, T-bar technology. Uh, and uh, at the time, I just I thought it was uh, very fascinating about you know this approach of endovascular or percutaneous, and uh, ultimately uh, I was selected to do this scholarship. And I, I remember thinking, you know, oh, this will be great. You know, I'll spend eight weeks at Penn with the cardiac surgery department. I'll hopefully get to work on this project and sort of uh, you know uh, present it, and it'll be sort of a great experience. And in my mind at the time, I was like thinking that you know it would just be a, a one summer, uh, one and done type thing. But, you know, I had no, no idea really, uh, how transformative, uh, and really life-changing that experience, uh, was going to be, uh, I completed that project, but it was in that summer that I spent a lot of time in the cardiac OR. Uh, and it was in that summer that I also, uh, discovered the cardiac catheterization lab. Um, and (laughs) it's kind of a funny story. I, I just sort of looked on the hospital map sort of on my own one day and figured out what floor the cath lab was on and, you know, just really just walked up and showed up one day, uh, and introduced myself. 
And I remember that one of the first cases um, that I got to see was uh, a mitral valvuloplasty um, being performed by um, none other than uh, Dr. Howie Herman. And uh, I just remember thinking, you know, during that case, how cool was it that, you know, we, they were doing this valve procedure without opening up the chest and, you know, being able to talk to the patient during the procedure and really, you know, having an almost immediate tangible result uh, for the patient. And uh, I was, I was, it made a, a big impression on me and I thought it was, I thought the cath lab was um, just a really cool place. And I was, uh, really, uh, impressed with, um, the possibilities of, uh, transcatheter procedures at the time. Um, subsequently I, uh, I received, uh, an AOA scholarship and did more clinical research at Penn. And this was sort of around 2008. And as you remember, the early partner trials were, were just starting, uh, you know, in the United States at that time. Uh, and Penn was uh, fortunately a clinical trial site, and uh, I was um, incredibly lucky that I got to see uh, the team in action. And you know, I was uh, impressed with the mitral valvuloplasty, but I was uh, like blown away with um, seeing a TAVR being done. And so I decided um, very early, you know, this was right after uh, my first year of medical school that this has sort of all happened. Um, that I that I wanted to one day be an interventional cardiologist uh, and do TAVR um, one day. Uh, so it really, uh, it's been uh, you know so incredible to to go through all that um, from that early time. Yeah, no. So I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, you've had you've had such a such an incredible story to tell and such a great journey. So then you know, I think also um, you know to to sort of be exposed that early on to sort of luminaries in their respective fields of cardiac surgery and interventional cardiology, you know, in the form of Joe Bavaria and Howie Herman, you know, respectively, that uh, I'm sure was, was, you know, just the perfect timing when, you know, we're sort of setting ourselves up in, in med school as to what paths to pursue. So, um, and, 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 you know, then the, the tavern timing couldn't be better, right? Because uh, I believe you would be in residency, right? At the time when the initial TAVA trials were being presented? Yeah, so exactly. So um, 2008, when I was in medical school, um, they were just sort of enrolling patients. Um, and so sort of fast forward, I think, uh, you know, to when I was in residency at the Cleveland Clinic, which I chose largely because of my interest uh, uh, in cardiology, um, you know, we were starting to get some of the the earlier results out. And, you know, I, I think um, to your point, I couldn't agree more about sort of the mentorship and exposure because, you know, really it was largely because of, you know, what I saw with, you know, Joe Bavaria, Wilson Zito, you know, Nimesh Desai, all the cardiac surgery and interventional cardiology teams at Penn, um, but their, their mentorship and really their um, support of, you know, this young medical student that just, you know, decided to come do research with them was just so incredibly um, uh, important. And, you know, that, that has carried uh, to residency and fellowship and even today. And so um, I think you and I both have the good fortune of calling Dr. Smith-Quadio one of our mentors. And during residency, um, you know, that was the same uh, uh, for me as well to have him um, and to be able to, to work with him uh, and continue to develop my interest in valvular heart disease uh, and interventional cardiology. 
uh, you know, so I felt very sort of well supported and certainly coming um, then and choosing to to pursue cardiology training, uh, I went on to Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, and that, um, you know, we talk about mentorship and sponsorship and uh, it, that uh, training program just was absolutely phenomenal and really instrumentally um, transformative for me. I remember when I was interviewing for um, fellowship, you know, with the man and Andy Cates, I sort of had expressed, um, you know, that I wanted to pursue structural and interventional. And so the cath lab, all the cath lab faculty um, were, were very extremely supportive um, from the get-go. And uh, I'll share with you uh, an anecdote. I, you know, um, we, our fellowship class, um, we had 10 fellows per year, a very large program. Uh, and I, I always used to be, I always was sort of the youngest person in my class. Um, that wasn't sort of new to me, but uh, during fellowship, um, that was the first time that I was the, the only girl uh, in my class of 10. Uh, and I remember that there were about six of us that wanted, six out of 10 uh, of us that wanted to pursue um, interventional and, uh, you know, we ultimately all interviewed with, um, you know, all the cath lab staff and went through the whole application process. And, you know, they chose, um, they chose one person to sort of, uh, do this fast track and two plus two opportunity. And, uh, you know, I was very, uh, fortunate to be that individual. And I think, um, you know, to the faculty's credit, they, you know, um, they really, they, they sort of help support, um, you know, what I wanted to do with my career. And so, uh, interventional, interventional, uh, fellowship, um, was, was great. I think, uh, our cath lab director, Jazz Singh and, and the program director, Howard Kurz, there's a longstanding history at WashU of, um, training women, um, uh, and so, you know, and, and the lab does everything from IVIS, physiology, complex coronaries, you know, me mechanical support and everything. And, you know, the whole lab and the whole culture, um, was just really, um, incredibly supportive. And that carried on, I would say, uh, to my structural year. I stayed, uh, at WashU for that. Uh, and both, um, you know, Alan, Alan Zaharis and John LaSalle run that program. And, um, you know, I think that, it was one of the best training years that I've, you know, ever had. I think, um, you know, going back to mentorship and sponsorship, uh, they were sort of true sponsorship sponsors and what we call and look for always, um, you know, champions, uh, of, su of support. Uh, and one sort of one anecdote that really, uh, I would say sticks out to me is, uh, I was about, I think, five or six months into my structural year, and uh, we were doing this sort of complex alternative access, uh, subclavian access tabber. And um, Alan, uh, Alan Zaharis, you know, he had me take the lead as a fellow to perform the case with our, our female cardiac surgeon. Uh, and so there's this picture um, of me, of her. Um, our device rep at the time was also a woman and the cardiac surgery fellow that was rotating with us, uh, was also a woman. And so you see this picture of us, sort of this female team doing, um, this complex taver. Uh, and to me that, you know, you know, everyone in that room, I, I still remember just, there was this moment of, um, you know, just acknowledging how unique and special, 
uh, it was. And, you know, that example to me, and I, when I think back to that, I think that sort of really um, defines and uh, how great mentorship can be and how lucky I've, I've been to have such great mentors because, um, you know, the faculty at WashU that, you know, that case demonstrated, they, they made my training a priority. And that faculty also sort of not only had the confidence in my skills to do the case, but also sort of championing this, um, you know, this, this female heart team and sort of wanting women um, to take the lead. And, you know, I can't speak highly enough about um, all that mentorship and support. Uh, and when I look back at that picture, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Yes, I remember you. Sh- now, this is a few years ago, uh, right? And um, yeah. Yeah, I, because I, 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 I remember, I, I, I actually vividly remember that picture. You sharing that picture on Facebook because yeah. you know we're, we're obviously friends. We're connected on Facebook, and um, I remember that vividly because it was at the time when I was finishing up my structural heart fellowship and started looking for jobs uh, in 2017. So I joined as early career faculty at Case in 2017 in the summer before, and you know I was there for about a year and a half before moving to the clinic. Um, and that, that picture sort of stayed with me and was very powerful. It's, that was, it was a powerful picture. Uh, and it was also very, very heartwarming for me to see, you know, that kind of a picture, um, you know, in, in the cardiovascular medicine space. And I, I know, uh, there's been a lot of, um, um, there's been a lot of effort, you know, from colleagues like yourself and from leaders in the space, like Dr. Mehran to, to give give the women at least in uh, I would say I would say all across cardiovascular medicine and also other other areas in, in medicine you know kudos to her but specifically within cardiovascular medicine and interventional cardiology where there is a there is a lacuna and you know our our patients are I mean a significant percentage of of, of the patients that we treat are women um, and you know if if you truly want to have a workforce which is um, you know, rep- equally representative of, of gender and, uh, you know, and color and diversity of the, of the country that we live in. Uh, I, I think, and, and, you know, you, I mean, you and I know this, right? I mean, I, like my, my mom any day would, would rather have a female physician than, than a male physician. And now, now that, that, you know, that may not be true for, for your family, but I, I know that for my family, uh, you know, my my mother, the comfort level that my mom feels in interacting with a female physician is different compared with a male physician. Um, and you know, it's it's true for many Eastern cultures. You know, it, it's not only true for the the Indian culture, but also like several Eastern cultures. You know, or or, or you know, even uh, you know, uh, you know, immigrants or or family or, or uh, you know, you know, people who are for, for, from African American descent, or you know, other African countries, other Middle Eastern countries, and you know, we just have such a diverse workforce that uh, you know, I, I think diversity and 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 different backgrounds and and you know, genders and we should all be welcome. I mean, I mean, to, to even think that you know that is um, a, a criterion for selecting trainees is just befuddling to me. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I think you're absolutely right in that, you know, um, there have been so many, uh, I always, I always sort of look up to you, you mentioned Dr. Moran, and, you know, there have been so many of these women, pioneering women, I would say, um, you know, Dr. Moran, you know, and many of these you've had on your show, Kendra Grubb, Myra Guerrero, um, you know, Anna Kinney, Molly Zerlup, all of these women, and I, 
to their credit, you know, what they have pioneered and accomplished um, and equally important, I would say also is are the men that championed and supported them, um, you know, are, and uh, for example, uh, Dave, you know, Dave Cox, Jay Geary, people at WashU, uh, Cleveland Clinic, you know, the men that also supported them, many of these luminaries, um, it's really because of their, you know, pioneering hard work and creation of programs like Women is One, Sky Win, Women in Cardiology, to, um, you know, create the resources for awareness for inclusion and diversity uh, that you, uh, you know, were, were mentioning, because I, I do think that, you know, it's so incredibly important to have representation because, you know, I think part of it is if we can change the face of what people think of when they think of an interventional cardiologist, we're, we're signaling to our medical students, you know, that you can be anything that you want to be when you grow up. Uh, and it's really, you know, when we think about it from a big picture standpoint, it's really the same reason why, um, you know, regardless of what your your politics are, we can all sort of at least appreciate the historic moment, for example, um, with Kamala Harris as the first Indian and Black American woman becoming Madam Vice President. Um, or uh, in the business world, as uh, more female CEOs are are taking that position, um, you know, it's about 7%, still, still a ways to go in the business world. But um, it's sort of that, uh, you know, representation. And even in the uh, entertainment industry, uh, we, uh, in the last couple of years, there was a, a movie with a, an all Asian um, cast out of Hollywood. And I, I think that, I think our world is so diverse uh, and our, our leadership positions and the seats at the table should really reflect that diversity because ultimately um, that leads to multiple perspectives, um, which leads to, to more innovation, more innovative solutions, and really sort of better outcomes for our patients. Um, so I, I am excited. I am hopeful about, um, you know, the change that's starting to happen in medicine and cardiology, because I do think that when you can see someone that looks um that looks like you in a certain position, you feel empowered that you too can one day be that position. Um, you know, that reminds me very much of um, Amanda Gorman's poem that she uh, recited at the inauguration. And I just, I just think that there's um, a lot of hope and uh, positivity that uh, uh, is starting to make its way into medicine too. And, and I'm hopeful for our medical students. Um, yes, no, the, uh, you know, excellent, excellent messages to share, um, you know, on the podcast and with our listenership. Um, let me ask you, so I mean, you've, you've had, um, you've had, you've had such a good story to tell. And, and, you know, the, you've the, the kind of support and mentorship that you received, you know, I'm sure um, is, you know, may, maybe or should be a point of reference for, you know, other women who want to follow the, the same path as you followed. Um, is there any is there any particular set advice that you want to share with you know people who are listening who, who you know maybe early career faculty you know like myself or you know maybe fellows in training maybe residents uh, or house staff or medical students uh, how, how do you navigate this space which is uh, you know still pretty crowded with men I would say um, and then you know how do you sort of reach out because you know I, I don't know if you I mean, I mean, it sounds like you had incredible mentors and, and, you know, that's how it should be, but, you know, for, uh, women who do not seek that kind of mentorship in their own programs and are looking out to, you know, sort of collaborate between institutions or, you know, reach out to faculty, even internationally, do you have any, any, any 
pearls of wisdom, any recommendations, any anything you want to share with the, with the listenership? Sure. Uh, you know, I think I think um, fundamentally, regardless of if you're a male or female, I think um, finding what you love and what you're passionate about uh, and working hard towards that, I think is um, the foundation and what is going to drive um, you to, to, to achieving those dreams and goals. Because I think that when you're passionate about what you're doing and working hard, there will, you will sort of be drawn or get connected somehow in some way to the right mentors that will, um, not only mentor you, but you know, what we call sponsorship and really, um, they're the ones talking about you and promoting you when you're not in the room. Uh, and you know, we, I think that there are also other resources and avenues, um, that, uh, you know, all the, the luminaries we were talking about earlier have sort of set in place. So, um, for example, um, when I was a fellow, uh, I was part of the founding committee with, uh, Dr. Tonya Singh, who's now the, um, president of women in cardiology at the ACC national level, but we created initially the Missouri ACC chapter for women in cardiology. Uh, and here locally at UVA, um, same thing with, um, I'm on the advisory committee for the women in internal medicine uh, group, as well as the women in cardiology group. And I think nationally and internationally, Dr. Moran and others have created, um, obviously, resources such as Women as One and Sky Win and uh, Women in Cardiology through ACC. And I think, I think being able to network and utilize those resources um, is a great first start uh, in, a, in ways to sort of connect uh, medical students, trainees, and even early career to other folks that perhaps are not locally at your institution, but certainly out there doing um, perhaps similar research interests or just even to run questions by um, about um, you know career advice or how someone may have navigated um, their own journey. And so I think that um, one of the great things about these resources that have been created is, um, you know, they provide at least awareness of who all is out there and what's going on. Uh, and I think that as we go forward, um, uh, you know, other additional opportunities that I think um, will certainly be helpful are, you know, diversifying our, our leadership uh, positions. Uh, for example, um, a great example is actually, you know, what, what you have done uh, as editor in chief. Uh, for the editorial board uh, at the U.S. Cardiology Review, so I think having, you know, I think having more women um, uh, in these positions uh, uh, it will eventually lead to that. And you know, it's it's simple things, even um, at um, uh, conferences uh, or at our society meetings, uh, to make sure that our panels and speakers um, represent the diversity of the world that we live in. Um, so that we we can benefit from you know that diverse perspective. Um, yeah, uh, no, no, thanks for thanks for sharing your tips. I'm gonna you know I just want to get a little bit more granular into um, one of the tips that you shared, and that was about networking. So how, how does uh, you know and and this is you know you know so some people are are naturally extrovert and and you know they don't. Um, find it hard to, you know, walk up to leaders and mentors and, and luminaries and introduce themselves and, and make that connection. Um, but, you know, some are not, you know, so some are introvert and some feel hesitant or, or there is a certain degree of, um, you know, deference, you know, which, which may preclude you to, to not approaching that, that particular individual that you're seeking, um, 
to connect with, right? Um, how, how do you, so first off, did you ever experience those emotions uh, when seeking out for, for individuals and for, for people? Because I, I know, uh, you know, and this, this, this may be, this may come across as, as a surprise, this, uh, or, or, uh, but, but, but I, can, I can share with you my, my own uh, sort of when I was, you know, um, uh, you know, resident and also fellow in training, like uh, approaching to people I, I wanted to work with was, and I shouldn't, I wouldn't say it was an effort for me, but, but I, I used, you know, there was just because of the, the adulation and awe and respect that I had for them. You know, I felt, I felt a little hesitant and I felt a little out of space and, and a little awkward approaching them early on. And, you know, as I started progressing in my own career, it, it sort of, you know, slowly faded away. So is, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm asking that question from a very sincere place in my heart because I know how that can be an impediment to, to a lot of people. Um, uh, and, you know, when I look back, you know, myself included, maybe if someone would have, you know, taught me or shared with me, you know, what those tips are and how to, how to, how to effectively network without coming off as, you know, like on your, like in your face, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, t I totally appreciate that. I, um, you know, I think it, I think uh, there's no rule book and yes, it can be, you know, daunting for all of us, particularly um, earlier in our training. I think that, you know, I think that um, with, I think sort of going back to passion and hard work when you're sort of um, at your own institution and, you know, you're working hard, you're, I think, um, I think you'll be able to identify local mentors that, you know, that you're working with on sort of a day-to-day -day basis that can, um, that take the time to sort of recognize what you're doing and perhaps take interest in what your career goals are. And sometimes, you know, it's a matter of those local mentors and faculty folks um, serving to help facilitate the connections to um, the other luminaries or the other mentors at other institutions. Uh, and sometimes, um, you know, sometimes a, a faculty role in connecting you to someone at another institution, um, sometimes that that mentorship and, and that help is um, turns out to be tremendously helpful. And, you know, that facilitating um, may sometimes take the edge off rather than, you know, individuals uh, emailing directly or reaching out directly. Um, so sometimes that I think um, can certainly help uh, facilitate. I know that. Um, for example, um, my, my job where I am today, I, um, at UVA, I, uh, again, owe that to the communication between, um, my faculty at, at WashU and, um, with Scott Lynn, Mike Ragasa, Gauravalawadi here, they, you know, put me in touch and it was, um, you know, uh, they certainly did more than put me in touch, but I, I, I say that to, to say that that's how, you know, I came to, um, to meet them and ultimately interview here and ultimately join here as faculty. And, you know, um, I'm so grateful that that happened. Um, so I think sometimes, um, you know, I think sometimes there's a lot of different creativity in terms of how you get connected, uh, and with whom and through what. But I think the foundation is that you should have sort of an idea uh, and a passion and sort of an idea of what you, what you, what is your purpose and what do you want to do? Because I think that that can then be sort of directed in a constructive way um, as opposed to sort of, um, you know, uh, completely, completely a blank slate. 
uh, I think it's important to, um, you know, to, to develop your interests and passions and, and have a sense of what you would like to do. And certainly there's flexibility in things um, and certainly guidance, you know, helps with, with changing that and molding that. But I think having sort of a foundation is, is, is particularly helpful. Um, and it, it becomes, I think, a little bit um, easier from that standpoint for um, faculty and senior mentors to help guide you then with uh, sort of more concrete um, advice uh, and support. Yeah, no, it's ex- extremely important um, points and comments. So, uh, so moving on, uh, Nishta. So, so a couple questions, right? So, what does a week look like for you these days? And and this is for you know someone who's looking up to you to emulate a career like yourself. Um, and then what, what? So, so that's one. Uh, so, I'm going to have you answer that one first. And then, then this the second one is. Uh, where do you see, uh, what is it that you want to accomplish that's, that's left and what is it, what is it that you want to accomplish now? Um, and sort of where do you see the field of structural heart move from, from where you are? Cause you know, the, the reason I bring these questions up specifically to you is because, you know, the, I, there are very few women who are doing the kind of work that you're doing in the, in the interventional structural space. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, I think, um, you know, 13, I think so 50% of our, our medical students are women, but about 13% uh, go into general cardiology, uh, about 4% go into interventional and uh, less than 2% uh, into structural. Yeah, so I mean, like, I mean, you, you know, to, to get up every morning and, and sort of say to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm in the 2% of the workforce in, in the field of work that I do is sort of a statement to, to, to make, right. It's, it's pretty empowering to, to think that way. So I think it's all the more important for you to answer those questions because, you know, people who are looking up to you to emulate your career would want to know how, how, how a week looks like. Is it, is it, is it, is it a balanced life? Cause you know, you know, balance in life is is always a, a moving target. Yeah, absolutely. Those are um, those are excellent questions. So, um, you know, I think passion and gratitude drive me. Um, but um, in terms of the specifics of those those questions, I think um, you know, interestingly, when I was looking for faculty positions, um, when I I you know got connected to um, you know Scott Lim, Mike Rivasta, Gorvalawati here, you know they were just, they're just incredibly phenomenal um, leaders and mentors, and I've been very very lucky that even as um, faculty, I now have another um, group of sponsors and, and champions for me here as I start my career. But I remember thinking when I um, was in the interview phase. Uh, thinking um, even UVA, for example, there's actually a longstanding history of women in cardiac here. So um, believe it or not, we uh, there are two uh, women here. Uh, one of my interventional partners, Angela Taylor, um, is a complex coronary and CTO operator here, and she's been on faculty um, now almost 20 years. Um, the head of our EP here is a woman, uh, and our current chief of cardiac surgery, uh, Leora Yarbrough, who I do tappers with, um, you know, obviously is also a woman and, and many of our structural and interventional fellows over the last several years um, have also been women. So, you know, I thought um, UVA stuck out, stood out for, for many, many reasons uh, uh, in terms of being unique from that standpoint. Uh, and it's, it's sort of nice to have that culture here. Uh, I've been here now for about a year and a half um, and I'm really incredibly happy 
So my week and sort of my schedule, um, I am usually in the lab um, most days of the week. I do coronaries uh, and then predominantly three days of the week, um, structural cases. Uh, and then, of course, valve clinic um, uh, with some some academic time. And we perform the full breadth of structural heart disease, uh, you know, aortics, mitrals, um, you know, ACE, PFOs, Watchmans, of course. Um, but what's very unique about UVA and what I've been fortunate to, to be a part of is uh, as a clinical investigator on a lot of our clinical trials here, which span tricuspid, pulmonic, uh, interventional heart failure, uh, we were um, very fortunate, actually, um, uh, uh, last year at TCT, a few months ago, um, we had the absolute privilege um, to perform live cases. And so um, it was an absolute honor for me to do a pulmonary valve replacement with our pediatric interventionalist, um, as well as help perform and lead discussion on, we did a, a TMVR case with the Tendine platform. Uh, and I, you know, as a very junior faculty, sort of having that opportunity to lead discussion with um, you know, Dr. Marty Leone and Mark Reisman, Myra Guerrero, you know, is very humbled and grateful um, for these experiences um, that I've gotten to have so far. And so, you know, I think, um, I think, again, passion, hard work, um, you know, sort of having a vision for, you know, what impact do you want um, to do? And for me, that's always been, I'd like to make um, an impact in terms of, doing better in the world for our patients and being able to sort of use this technology, transcatheter technology to help facilitate that. I think with innovation and, and technology gives us the opportunity to um, give better care and perhaps more, more care to patients that sometimes otherwise, you know, wouldn't qualify for traditional surgical options or uh, traditional options. And to me, that is very gratifying to, um, you know, meet the patient in, in valve clinic, do this workup and be able to perform this procedure that has very tangible results. And that's what, um, you know, that's what drives me. And I think that, um, I would say that, you know, anyone, you know, if I can do this, really, honestly, anyone, um, male or woman can achieve their dreams with the right mentorship and, and hard work. And I think, you know, now that I'm on the other side as, as junior faculty um, and I have medical students and trainees come to me, you know, I think, you know, I share my story just just, you know, for an, for an example of, you know, if I can do this, you know, anyone can do this with the right mentorship and um, the, and putting in the hard work. Um, so I think that, you know, we'll be able to get more, really hopefully able to, you know, diversify and, and include more of the medical students, more of our, our, our next generation in and you know, hopefully diversify um, the, the field uh, of uh, structural interventional and really of cardiology and medicine um, as a whole. Yeah, no, no, that's excellent. So, you know, just to, to answer the other two questions, you know, where do you see the, the field moving, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint? Um, and then um, what is it, what is it, what is left for you for, for Nishta Sodi to achieve? <laughs> and yeah, that, that'll probably be the, the last question for the podcast. But Sure. I think um, I think the field uh, of structural is completely exploding. I think that you know, in terms of valvular work, tricuspid is um, you know a couple years ago was sort of that last frontier, if you will, and we're still sort of de developing our our tricuspid technologies with transcatheter repair and then also dedicated uh, transcatheter valve replacement uh, with certain um, platforms such as 
excuse me, Edwards Evoke uh, cardio band. Um, we were we did actually our first um, transcatheter tricuspid valve um, uh, over the summer. So I think I think that. Um, the valvular fields, there's um, obviously still innovation being done both on the mitral side, tricuspid side, um, for sure. I think the other area of valvular innovation going forward will be sort of optimization of aortic uh, technologies. I think, you know, the TAVR strategy is um, sort of well-developed at this point, but I think what will go um in the next several years is how do we optimize it for our patients? How do we make the uh, risks of the procedure even lower than what they are as part one, but then part B, um, thinking about the patient and the trajectory of their life and optimizing that. So, you know, our patients are living longer and even our A, they're living longer, but B, some of our even younger patients uh, are presenting with much more complex comorbidities and disease pathologies. And, you know, I always say that it's not just about treating one thing at one time, but sort of thinking about our patients from a longevity standpoint. You know, if I do a TAVR now, what does this imply for 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line versus, you know, surgical options now versus transcatheter later? And so, you know, I think. Um, I would say fine-tuning the aortic space, the mitral space, certainly um, our TMBR platforms are um, definitely here and being studied in, in clinical trial format. So I think, you know, we're going to see the um, incorporation, I would say, of those hopefully over the next several years. Um, same with tricuspid and pulmonic. And I think beyond valvular work, the next frontier truly is um, this idea of interventional heart failure, because we have this very large population of heart failure patients who have been optimized on uh, guideline-directed medical therapy, but are not so advanced to the point of needing, say, transplant or even um, LVAD for that matter. And I think that the transcatheter therapies for these patients um, are still being developed, but are going to be the next frontier. So devices like, for example, Ancora, Accusinch to help remodel the left ventricle, uh, and then also our interatrial devices. So Corvia and V-Wave are two current uh, uh, clinical trials that are looking to see if, um, you know, uh, if we create uh, an atrial septostomy shunt between the right atrium and the left atrium with these devices, will that offload elevate, elevated pressures in the left atrium and provide some relief for, for these heart failure patients? Uh, so I think, um, you know, I think that's going to be um, where we look going forward. Um, the beauty of this technology is that, um, you know, whatever, you know, the beauty of the technology is that we, we can sort of um, be as creative and innovative as, as we can to, to help really treat um, almost, you know, all parts of the heart and, and all heart issues um, at this point, which is, which is really exciting. And, um, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's really an exciting um, subspecialty of medicine to, to be in because, you know, uh, of that constant, um, you know, innovation and, and learning how we can do better for our patients. Absolutely. Um, so, so Nishta, what do you do for fun and what is it that, what is left for you to achieve? Yeah. Um, so lots of things, um, you know, I think, um, I think having work-life balance is incredibly, uh, incredibly important. 
Uh, and I think, um, you know, having sense of a life outside of, of medicine and outside of the hospital is important. And I think, you know, we were talking about earlier, I think, you know, defining yourself with other interests, um, uh, helps you connect, uh, you know, honestly better with patients as well. And to be honest, um, I think that as we diversify, um, uh, you know, uh, interventional cardiology and, and medicine in general, I think that, um, I think that, uh, emphasis on diversity inclusion also allows really, uh, inherently for, uh, good work-life balance, uh, and better sort of, um, you know, job satisfaction and, uh, um, uh, happier people, both in the cath lab, outside the cath lab. I, myself, uh, I like to run. I usually run every morning, uh, before going into work. Uh, I like to hike and do outdoor things. And, um, I like to spend as much time, um, as possible with family and friends, uh, you know, doing all, all sorts of things. Um, I think going forward in my career, I think, um, one day, um, running a valve program and, um, perhaps one day a, a division and, um, or the C-suite in the hospital, I think are, um, maybe things, uh, down the line one day that I, that I may, um, venture into. Um, but for right now, you know, I sort of put my head down every day, um, with, with humility and gratitude and, um, and I'm enjoying the, the ride of, of getting to do what I get to do every day. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more with you that gratitude is extremely important. It's something that keeps us ful fulfilled and happy and, and um, you know, really, truly the, the, kind of, the kind of difference that we can make uh, in someone else's life, a fellow human being's life is, is something that, you know, I personally give a lot of, uh, ascribe a lot of value and privilege to. So I, I couldn't agree with you more that, we, you know, we're, we live uh, we live blessed lives and, you know, we, we just have to be grateful for everything that we're able to do. Um, so thanks again, Ishta. This was, this was great. This was, has been a great conversation and, you know, it's been very, very, um, heartwarming from, for me personally to learn about your journey and about your career and, you know, and how fulfilled and happy you are, you know, anyone listening, you know, it's not, it comes, it comes across so effortlessly that it's, it's not hard to, hard to tell that, you know, you're, you're, you're grateful and happy and, and, you know, all of us, you know, would want to aspire to be, be like you or, or at least in, in that state of mind for sure. Um, any closing remarks for the podcast, uh, for the listenership? Uh, oh, thank you, Ankur. I appreciate it. I think, um, you know, thank you so much. I, you know, I, I think, um, I think anyone can, I think we are in this great place that, uh, you know, um, I, I think anyone at this point, uh, you know, can, can achieve those dreams. And I think, um, you know, be humble, be kind and do right by your patients. And I always say great things, amazing things will happen. Uh, so congratulations to you also as well. Um, once again, for all the, all the work that you've done, it's truly inspiring. And, um, I really appreciate this, this, this honor and privilege to be part of your podcast. Oh, it's uh, it was, it's, it's our privilege and our honor, quite frankly. Thanks again. Thank you. Dear cardiologists, we want to make this podcast about you and for you. So please email us your critical thoughts, comments and questions at podcast at radcliffe-group.com and visit uscjournal.com for more information. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram at Radcliffe Cardiology for daily updates. Join thousands of cardiologists and become a Radcliffian by registering to radcliffecardiology.com. 
You will receive regular newsletters and gain access to hundreds of expert interviews, educational webinars, clinical cases, and peer-reviewed articles from our six medical review journals on general cardiology, interventional cardiology, arrhythmia and electrophysiology, cardiac failure, and vascular and endovascular surgery. Thank you.